Hello there, you fabulous interior design professional. Welcome to Business of Design. This is episode 295, Code Red with Laura Kohler. I'm Kimberly Selden, an interior design professional and advocate in chief at Business of Design. And like you, I'm busy these days running projects, working for clients, trying to keep all the balls in the air. And like you, I'm always striving to do the best work I can do. And today, I think that has to include being more aware, more conscious of how I can influence, inspire, and educate my clients on the value of choosing products that are sustainable and socially conscious. It sounds like an eat your vegetables episode, but honestly, I think those are the best ones. And in fact, I came away from this conversation, like I do a lot of the conversations on the podcast, really excited and lit up about what I can do to make a difference. I feel more determined than ever to offer my clients the best choices in terms of sustainability. It's not as difficult as it sounds. It gets better all the time. And our guest has some amazing insights and ideas. She should. Her last name is Kohler. And that's a name that is synonymous with excellence and innovation. It's also a name that's synonymous with beautiful products for kitchens and baths. And more than that, of course, because they have sister companies and Saks Tile comes to mind, as does Callista, Roburn, the lighting division, of course. And by the way, the brand, the brand itself, Kohler Company, is 149 years old and looking better than ever. It is also now and has always been a privately held company, which means it's not just business for this brand, right? It's family and it's reputation. Their reputation is on the line every time they introduce a new product. We're going to hear directly from Laura about the legacy of social awareness and responsibility she inherited and how Kohler Co. is committed to innovation, particularly in terms of water usage. To lower the water usage for products we use all the time, like toilets and faucets, is a daunting task, made more so by the fact that you want to lower the water usage, but not impact in a negative way the consumer experience. In other words, it's got to work just as well, but use a lot less water. That takes a lot of know-how. We're going to learn more about some of their projects, including a very ambitious goal to lower the usage of the average household from 400 liters of water a day down to 50 liters of water a day. I did say ambitious. Let me tell you a little bit more about Laura. She's a business leader who's passionate about driving purposeful change and maintaining the long-standing values of Kohler Co. With more than 40,000 employees worldwide, it's a big task. And when you hear Laura, I think you'll come away like I have, knowing the company's in good hands and poised to be successful for another 149 years. I love this episode. And I also love this woman. Get in here and tell us what's going on at Business of Design, Cheryl. As usual, we have a lot going on this month at Business of Design. 
I know when we do these announcements, I always have to like pick my top two or top three to, to talk about. So um, I do have that list in front of me as always. Um, so let's start with BOD Live because that's happening this week and we're talking about filling the client pipeline. So a lot about um, getting new clients. I'm not sure if that's like a trend that things are slowing down, um, but specifically I've received a lot of inquiries from established designers. Uh, they have strong businesses, but they've changed locations. And even though they're well-established with their systems, they feel like they're starting from scratch. Right. Um, so it, it's not just for newbies, like I don't have any clients, where do I begin? Uh, it's sort of across the board for where do you get clients, whether you're starting from scratch or not. Right. I had actually had a coaching call from a member in Paris who is having kind of the same sort of issue. So I, I do feel like maybe it's just kind of anticipation that if things change, I need to have a lot of clients, or as you say, people are moving or have moved, and therefore it's time to now get more serious about filling the pipeline, but I'm looking forward to that conversation. Yeah, so that'll be a good one. Um, and then the retreat, that is happening April 27th to April 30th. Yes, the early bird is still on. I've been getting questions about that, and that goes until um, December because we know people need time to make travel plans and everything. Um, but Charleston will be the home base if you are already starting to look into flights. Make your plans around Charleston, and then Savannah will be a day trip that uh, BOD makes arrangements for. Oh, it's so good. When you get yourself to Charleston, don't you worry, we'll take care of everything else from that point. You're going to work hard. You're going to be you know, blown away by some of the insider um, activities that we have planned for you. And as always, we'll come away feeling really energized about the year ahead. I, for one, look forward to the retreat every year. Get signed up. We're, we can't wait to have a big group and uh, huddle together in Charleston. Yes. So head to the website for that one. And then in 2023, I guess it's before the retreat coming up, you're headed to Australia. You have a lot of travel on your I'm, calendar for sure. You know what? I would, I hope none of my clients ever listens to the podcast because they're going to wonder how I'm managing projects uh, throughout the entire spring. But yes, I'm very much looking forward to going to uh, Australia. We'll be based in Sydney. I'm going to have a little travel fun and head to Bali for a while as well. But uh, our Sydney trip includes an intensive two-day BOD event and uh, Cheryl, what are the dates again? So that'll be March 6th to 7th, and it's two full days. So it's like a nine to five day. Um, Boyd Blue is hosting in their Sydney showroom, which is going to be beautiful. Um, and we've got BOD member Jody Carter, boss member <laughs> Jody Carter, uh, joining us because we do get a lot of questions from our Australian members. I know you do coaching calls with that one on one, um, you know, with sort of this debate that the BOD. 15 don't work here. And, you know, Jody is a walking testimonial to that because she definitely is a textbook version of a member who follows the BOD 15. Yeah, I know. It's funny. It doesn't matter where you live. It seems to work. I mean, do you remember the BOD live where we had a member from Ireland, a member from Nigeria, mm -hmm. a member like it was so it was like United Nations and everybody's like, it just works. Just try it. Uh, it looks to me already some of the people who signed up are already using the BOD 15, but it's a really important time to just refresh, recommit, figure out where the holes are and uh, fill those gaps. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's sort of been a shift from when you first started BOD sharing all of the issues you were having on jobs and then realizing 
those issues are the same everywhere. And now that you've got the systems to fix those issues, it's, wow, those systems fix the same issues everywhere. <laughs> yes. And you right. I mean, when we first started talking business of design, I was really spending a lot of time trying to convince people to get paid for the consultations. I mean, just come on. This is a basic thing. And now we don't spend a lot of time on that. I was also trying to get people to charge more than $100 an hour. And now, you know, I was just noticing our uh, first boss group, their fees are all up over $200 an hour now, and some of them over $300 an hour now. Mm -hmm. So it feels to me like we have made incredible strides since we launched in 2004. And that makes me so happy because these are my people. Yeah. No, and it's it's so nice to be able to see them all face to face again. So that's... Oh, I know. I just wish you were coming yeah. to Australia. I know. Well, well, we'll aim for some other, the retreat and boss meetings. And we have so many opportunities now. So we hit up some of the markets next year. Yeah. Well, we're getting out. <laughs> yeah. And having talked to this member in Paris, we got to get a group to Paris. So that, that's high on my priority list, as you know. But Cheryl, thank goodness, Cheryl's here to keep my feet on the ground and keep the focus on making sure we're giving you guys what you need. So thank you, Cheryl. Thank you for that. Yes. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Laura, I understand you're in North Carolina and uh, we've been having some serious weather at the moment. How are, how are things there? It is heavy rain, 100% all day long. And uh, so we've been inside. I did go for my run outside in the rain this morning, but I've been inside on meetings, Zooming from the hotel. Wow. Okay. Well, that's dedication going for your run. And, and not mm -hmm. that we're happy that there's a storm, but it certainly is a segue, a really good segue into the conversation we want to have today, which is about the, the, the fact that in, in our lines of work, we have the ability to influence our clients, educate our clients, and help our clients make sustainable uh, choices and socially conscious choices and the kinds of storms that we're having and the droughts we're having. This is all just kind of tying into the exact conversation we want to have today. Absolutely. And last week I was at Climate Week in New York City got to go to some meetings at the World Economic Forum, the General Assembly, uh, Bloomberg Green. So really the topic is so important. Everyone's paying attention and, and of particular interest to Kohler is water and how we can help designers, architects, developers really help the consumer make great choices when they do invest in their homes or their buildings and uh, that's really what I'm excited to talk to you about today is how do we as manufacturers help move the 
move the ball forward with sustainable choices for the end user or the consumer. Well, okay. So I, I do, I also want to acknowledge, I think your dad passed away recently mm-hmm. and I know he was like bigger than life. You guys spoke so highly about him. Was he behind some of the social consciousness that you really see as part of the Kohler ethos? Yeah, I would say my father was an environmentalist all of his life. Wow. He really cared deeply about the outdoors. He cared deeply about the landscapes in which we do business and protected the natural environment at all costs. So we are super careful as we design buildings, as we maintain our connection to the communities that we enhance them with nature and protect the natural surroundings around our facilities. And in in the village of Kohler, in fact, we have, you know, village plans that integrate landscape with residential and companies. So he was behind all of that, Kimberly. And, And I would say I've learned my appreciation for the environment from my father. Isn't that amazing? And now you're you're working so hard as part of your mission to educate all of us so we can have more influence over our clients. So let's start with water. That seems really important. Have we made progress? Where are we at? And what are the ways that you as the manufacturer impact how much water we use? Yeah, so I would love to, first of all, call to our attention that water hasn't gotten the attention as much as carbon or plastic in the eyes of the consumer. And I think that's one of the things we learned last week at Climate Week at the World Economic Forum discussion on water is this opportunity we all have to create a a code red for water. And and really that burning platform, um, you know, that single use plastic has gotten a ton of great action around because they had a rallying cry around single use plastic and people could identify that. You know, carbon has been on the minds and been educated and more deeply understood. And you see this tipping point with electric vehicles, right? So now we think it's the time for water to take the stage with a potential code red for water. And what would that mean? That would mean that manufacturers who are making products that somehow touch water start to educate the consumer in a more impactful way and put education in the in the hands of the architects, designers, and developers. So that means transparency, that means more information, education, all those things that really need to go along with the product when to get into the hands of the designer. I find when you release a new product, for example, low flow toilets, I come from the state of California, which we have, are having our fourth year of a drought. So I'm, I've always been aware of using water. We used to have um, certain days of the week you were allowed to water your lawn and other days you couldn't. And now so many people are taking up the lawn and putting in succulents. So water is something I understand. A low flush toilet, is that where it began is that where technology started to take a look at this problem? Yeah. I would say you're probably right. That's a great question. And I haven't really thought of it on, for instance, on which product did it start with? But I think the California regulations on the 1.6 gallon toilet is really what plunged all of us in. I think we were given a, a 24 month time frame to re- respond to the call that 
when when California called down the gallon flush to 1.6, that forced all of us to apply our engineering know-how to start to really be conscious about water usage in our products. And ever since then, you know, for 12 years, we've gotten the EPA Water Sense Awards for, you know, sustained excellence. We've gotten it um, for partner of the year for WaterSense. And we have all these products now that have saved consumers tons and tons of water, tons and tons of uh, avoided emissions, and, and really billions in, seven billion, in fact, in energy and water, water costs. So it does pay to innovate and pass on that innovation in terms of lowering a consumer's footprint. And we've been recognized by the EPA WaterSense. So that's really important to us from a commercial standpoint because those products sell more as well. And also from really meeting our mission to make the world a better place. I would love to kind of know the evolution because after the low flow toilet, I think of the faucets that turn on and off when you, when you, you know, the automated faucets that turn on and off like magic. I, I love that. And it solves one of my biggest pet peeves if I'm out at like a coffee shop and you know, how the baristas will sometimes use, take the milk container and put it in the sink and soak it. Sometimes they forget about the faucet running and I like want to jump over the counter and turn Mm. it off. So Mm -hmm. that had to be a huge factor. What are some of the other innovations that Kohler is turning out now to help us be more conscious? Sure. So, so clearly the no touch uh, water faucets really help you use water as you need it. So super important. Also really good for hygiene, right? Um, continuing to innovate lower flow toilets, depending on the region of the world that you're in. In fact, we're also innovating a container-based sanitation product that doesn't require any, uh, any water and not connected to a sewer system. Then you also have shower heads, right? That uh, some of us in the world are next to great bodies of fresh water. And that's a wonderful thing, but there's lots of places in the world that can't afford to have high flow shower heads. So we continue to innovate and lower the, the water usage of a shower and not affect the experience. And that's what takes a lot of know-how. So think of faucets, think of toilets, think of showers as all those areas in your home at in the products that we make that affect water usage. We also are involved with Procter & Gamble in the 50 liter home and it's being organized by and and convened by the World Economic Forum. And we're working on how do we lower your footprint of water usage from 400 liters a day to 50 liters a day. And we're one of the manufacturers that are contributing to that innovation. That sounds ambitious, but, you know, I guess, I mean, if it's code red, it's code red. And so something has to be done. So thank you for doing that. Um, does water temperature have some influence here? I I was in a Kohler Experience store recently, and I noticed by it's time for me to change my, my taps because you have this new product called Statement, and the thermostatic control allowed you to digitally kind of change the temperature to a fine degree. So I was immediately Uh, like wanting to do my bathroom over again. But I I was wondering if temperature has some role in sustainability. Well, think about, think about many people run their shower or their faucet until the water gets hot. Right? So that wastes a ton of water. And 
if we can start a faucet at the temperature you want, you will use the water and turn it off much better in terms of water savings. And you should be rewarded for that with your water bill. You should see how much water you've used and then you should see some of the water, the cost of water going down for your, your usage. Uh, the same is true in a shower, right? If we can start your shower and you can step into your shower immediately, the water usage goes down significantly. So um, also energy, right? We're not heating up water over time. We're at, have the ability to heat water quickly and, and get it to you so that you can have your shower and turn it off. So yeah, all of those innovations, Kimberly, are part of us thinking about our product footprint and the sustainability footprint of our of the product once in the hands of the consumer. You know, I... The first, you know, 10, 15 years I'm in business, all I want to do is just figure out how to do my job and, you know, give clients what they want. But now I'm at a place where I realize I really do have some influence over clients. And sometimes I've found that clients want to give lip service to being more sustainable. But when it comes to um, spending a little extra money, they pull back. So what are the kinds of things designers and architects and planners, what do we need to be thinking about in terms of influencing our clients to make the better choice? Well, hopefully sometimes the most sustainable solution isn't the most expensive solution. Yeah. So eventually we, we should get to a place where you are putting together your portfolio of choice for your, cons for the customer, the client you have, and they're beautiful choices, they are very functional and they're price competitive. And one or two of them might be more sustainable than the others. Mm -hmm. So our goal as a manufacturer is to do just that high function, high aesthetic and competitive price point. And then also transparency. And we do, we achieve transparency through declare labels. So that's like your ingredient list of what's in the product yeah. and how does it affect your body? And then also EPDs, the in it's um, a product transparency label, environmental product declaration. And that really talks about the impact of that product during its life cycle. So you as the designer could actually have this information at your fingertips for the products that you're presenting to your client. And then they can and it helps make have them making informed and educated decisions about what they want in their home. Yeah. So that then they're living sustainably, Kimberly, without thinking about it every day. They've actually made those choices and the products help them live more sustainably without a lot of angst uh, and 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 over overworking that every day. And I do think the prices have um, stabilized. I don't. I don't think it's the same as it was ten years ago when you presented the green option and it was thirty percent more. I don't. I'm not mm -hmm. seeing that anymore. I am seeing a lot of designers um, make the decision to only provide clients more sustainable choices. Like they're just drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know, it starts with me. And so I, this is what I'm presenting, and I'm going to convince the clients. It's my job to convince them this is the right thing to do. Yes, we're seeing some large firms go that route. We're seeing some developers put their kind of draw the line in the sand and saying, this is what we stand for. So that's putting pressure on manufacturers. In fact, we even see some big retailers and hotel um, consortiums coming to us and saying, we're going to redo three hotels. Please give us your environmental footprint of your products 
and we'll be considering uh, your sustainability goals and the footprint of the product. So more and more, we're being asked to communicate the impact of our products to, I would say, developers, uh, big projects like hotels, big retailers, and also um, individual designers and architects who've decided to take a stand. That kind of pressure and accountability is like a healthy loop, isn't it, where we all inspire each other to do better, to do more. In addition to the environmental standards and all that kind of technical stuff, there's also a human factor, right? And in the last couple of years, everything has changed. We're all working at home, spaces. In fact, I was at a client house yesterday where the design, the dining room, the former dining room is now an office for him. And, you know, upstairs where the teenager was, that's now her office and the teenagers in the basement. So people are just making these decisions to work and live from home. So you've got all these different activities happening at home. How do you guys address situations like that where we're in a kind of a changing environment in the world? So Kimberly, you know, there's a lot of things to unpack there, but think of design for well-being, think of flexible space, multi-generational space, uh, aging in place. Many of those themes also can be informed by sustainable choices. And so it's a great opportunity for us as a manufacturer to be challenged. So think of your master bath as your refuge, right? If you're spending more time in your home and sometimes other people are living with you and you kind of need to just get away from everything, it's a thinking of that space as both how to design it more sustainably for less water usage, but also do you want a steam shower? And that can provide a sauna-like experience. Do you want a soak tub? right, that provides you really deep relaxation, things like that, and reconsidering how you want to use your home and multiple use for your space. You know, your kitchen becomes super important for both entertaining and, you know, family gathering, but also how do you make parts of your kitchen very sustainable as well? So, and then how do you make it multi-generational? So I think it's actually really a fun time because all of us get to think of our traditional spaces differently and how it's informing uh, really different themes that we're seeing in how people live and work. Right, right. It's interesting you mention aging in place because I remember the first time I saw the automatic faucets immediately understanding how that could be good in terms of water impact. But it didn't take me long to realize that, you know, for anyone with a mobility issue, it's also an incredibly important innovation. So that's fortuitous, right? Where these innovations that are good for sustainability are also good for quality of life. Absolutely. And many times... The aging in place solution is good for everyone. I mean, doesn't everyone want a higher toilet? Yeah. You know, I just think that that is a, a good thing. And, you know, doesn't everyone want great functionality in their toilet to begin with? And, you know, I would say faucets that are easy to turn on and off. And how do we make them aesthetically beautiful and also manage the temperature of that faucet? How can we 
think about filtered water, all sorts of things are really good for everyone, not just those who want to age in place. Okay, you can help me now. I have a client and we're, we're gutting their house, but they have this one toilet in the master bedroom that's, you know, only five, six years old. And I'm saying, I think it's time for an upgrade. I think you need a more mm-hmm. sophisticated toilet. What's my sales pitch to them? How, how am I going to convince them that this is the right time for them to do like the bidet? You know, there's just, there's so many beautiful toilets now. Well, there's a lot more functionality than they may know about. And I think exposing them to the functionality and especially when you're on a cold climate, the heated toilet seat is amazing. Right. (laughs) And um, and and really that bidet seat also is just really a wonderful feature. And you don't know that you love it until you have it. And I would just say the heated toilet seat, the bidet seat And uh, sometimes there's even some function that there's a blue light that comes on at night. So it actually functions as a nightlight. And it's really nice because you don't have to turn any other lights on and your your toilet has a blue light that comes on. And I find I actually have that. And I really like that feature. That's amazing. That middle of the night, I have to go to the bathroom experience. Yes. When the seat is cold and you're turning on a light, okay, that's a game changer. I'm sure I'm going to be able to convince them. That's really good. And also the higher profile toilet, right? Yeah. And, and, and really people, again, if something happens in their lives and they find that that toilet is just too low, getting a higher one, the heated toilet seat, the bidet and the blue light, I find just really great features. I just, I feel like everybody's going to have that. We're all going to mm-hmm. head that way. I'm, I'm seeing more and more clients saying, well, let's, let's do this now. Let's, because, yeah. you know, it took a while for the technology to catch up where the products were just spectacular like they are now. Laura, we like to end every episode with something we call design intervention. It could just be great advice uh, for somebody who's running a business and something maybe you live by, words you live by. I just think that good design is timeless. And I love to look back on history and see and spot good design and bring it forward. And whether that is the classic design of a beautiful bathtub, whether that is some of the old faucet designs are just beautifully heavy and, and rounded and just, you know, again, I think some of the oldest designs we have in the history uh, in our history are some of the ones that are timeless. And, and I love to look at the history of design. Laura, the first time I heard you speak, you said design is an opportunity to make things better. Tell, mm-hmm. tell me about that philosophy. I think that the role of, of design, whether you're designing the product or you are a designer helping a client imagine, gives the manufacturer and the designer, the the power really to reimagine that product, service, or environment in a new way and give the client the opportunity to live better. And live better can mean so many different things to different people, but how do we infuse living better with sustainability so that every choice eventually that a client makes when they're refurbishing their home or their office is a sustainable choice. I think we're gonna get there eventually. And it's our job with Design for Environment at Kohler to really make every design better than the last one was. 
So we do have this methodology designed for environment, but I believe that honestly, your the people in your industry also have this amazing role to help the clients reimagine and make their lives better. Yes, we absolutely do. And before I say goodbye, I just want to ask about some of the organizations you're working with in terms of water. I know one of them is local to me here in Cremor, which is Water First, but there are other organizations you're working with, and maybe some of us would like to get more involved. Right. So Water First is, and, and there's, a compa- there's a sister organization in the U.S. called Dig Deep. And, and Dig Deep and Water First are really focused on the indigenous peoples of our countries and the lack of access to safe water. So we at Kohler are very much uh, connected to these organizations and our support for them continues to increase over time, really helping them do impactful work that is tailored to the communities that they're in. So, and that's part of being sustainable, Kimberly, is not doing things for others, but co-creating with organizations so that the, the solutions are sustainable over time and owned locally by those communities. So great organizations, Dig Deep and Water First. And then I would also point to another organization called Water Mission, which is a global engineering-based uh, business in Charlotte, I believe, South Carolina. And they really help innovate water pumps and water solutions, emergency water for uh, refugee camps and disasters. And they help look at a situation and say, how can we get the water out of the ground? How can we purify it and deliver it to the community? So using their engineering know-how and Kohler partners closely with them, uh, we help them with power generators. We also help them with other know-how that we have to deliver safe water around the world to really communities that have no water. These are such good organizations to become involved with. And I know in January, when I heard you speak at a breakfast uh, at the Interior Design Show, um, I made a pledge that this year, which is 2022, gosh, we're coming to the end of 2022, we are going to be um, making donations on behalf of all of our clients uh, with Water First. So it's something to think about because most of us give a gift to our clients at the end of the year. And when you tell me it's code red for water, I know that means that it's time to really pay attention and do whatever I can to make a difference. So thank you, Laura, for giving us some tools and some ideas about how we can do our jobs better. And I'm so pleased to get to talk to you again, Kimberly, and see you. And I think Water First is a great choice to give to the gift to the client. Uh, well, your messaging, your your Kohler innovations and your messaging at that breakfast event I attended were really the push that I needed. So thank you. And thank you, awesome listeners. We'll see you next time. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.